Are you sick and tired of your business computer guy? Does he take forever to call you back and respond to your request? Are you paying him good money to keep things working, but there are still constant problems, slowness, and other recurring issues? Are you worried he's not backing up and securing your network? And does your head hurt from having all these issues to deal with? If this describes you, please be sure to call my good friend Matthew Odom of Heritage Digital at 843-664-8989. Heritage Digital is an IT firm that specializes in safely securing and managing your business IT network. Whether you have one employee or 500, Heritage will make sure that your business isn't bogged down by IT issues impacting your security, productivity, and most importantly, your profits. Heritage Digital will perform a no-cost IT assessment and ask you all the right questions to make sure your IT network works correctly all the time, and it's for one low monthly fee. This is a turnkey solution, folks. And with clients from South Carolina to California, Heritage has you covered. So if you're sick and tired of the constant computer and network issues, call Matthew Odom of Heritage Digital today at 843-664-8989 and get rid of all the issues negatively impacting your business once and all and forever. 843-664-8989, heritagedigital.com. Rock and roll. It's your daily dose of all things Gamecocks on the Inside the Gamecocks podcast. Here's J.C. Sherbert. Inside the Gamecocks podcast, J.C. Sherbert here with you. Happy Friday, everyone. Hope everyone's doing well out there in Gamecock land. Sort of a roller coaster week this week, right? On the recruiting trail. Uh, news and notes segment, obviously, always brought to you by Heritage Digital. Uh, I want to thank those guys uh, for uh, jumping on with the sponsorship and all that. Sorry I hadn't been with you this week. It's been a little hairy, <laughs> to say the least. Um, so, start with the bad news first. Uh, Antonio Williams, Dutch Fork wide receiver, probably the top target on the offensive uh, side of the ball. Uh, He and Oscar Delp uh, this season uh, going to Clemson. Uh, And I think that, you know, if you follow it, we said bigspur.com, lots of other places. Anybody that knew anything about his recruitment knew uh, that Clemson was going to be a factor if they offered. It's kind of where he wanted to go uh, for a long, long time. And, you know, Carolina tried the best they could, uh, Lots of uh, overreaction, um, lots of negative reaction about it, uh, and uh, I totally get it. It's frustrating uh, when you see the offense like it was this past year, and then automatically you're going to conflate, uh, well, that's why they can't recruit offensive skill talent, and that's why offensive skill talent goes elsewhere. Uh, a lot of rumors out there about uh, Antonio picking Clemson because of the offense at South Carolina. And, and, and the best I can say about that is this. Uh, I don't think that it was not a factor at all. I don't completely dismiss it. I'm not standing up for the offensive performance this year, you guys know. Uh, but at the same time, it was not the factor. Um, and just reality of the situation is, you know, South Carolina – uh, has had very good success developing in-state guys that uh, Clemson doesn't offer at wide receiver and send them to the NFL. Brian Edwards uh, and Shai Smith are the most recent examples of that. Debo Samuel. Uh, you can go back to Alshon Jeffrey and Sidney Rice that fall into that category, Bruce Ellington. Um, but uh, 
Clemson, their success at wide receiver speaks for itself, and and their success as a program uh, speaks for itself. And when a kid dreams of going uh, there, um, and I know he he grew up a Gamecock fan, but you know when you're playing and when you're a recruit, things change. The fandom I've, I've said many times, recruits aren't fans. Uh, you can grow up a fan of whoever you want and pull for them. Uh, but when it comes down to reality and uh, your life and your life situation, uh, you can make a different decision. I mean, there's there's guys that grew up Clemson fans that end up uh, at South Carolina for whatever reason in all sports. So I get it. Um, I would say that uh, some of the overreaction is pretty massive about this. Uh, I also think this. I think Gamecock fans in general, because people ask me, like, what, what's wrong with the fan base? Uh, you know, why are they overreacting on everything? And I, I think there's two things at play right now. You know, first and foremost, you're going on about seven years of mediocre to bad offense uh, or inconsistent offense at best uh, at South Carolina on the football field. Um, you also uh, are going through uh, a situation in other sports where it's kind of been hard to score, basketball, men's basketball. Uh, baseball, we saw what happened during the regional last year. Um, even women's basketball, the mighty Gamecocks uh, bricked a bunch of layups against Stanford. It cost them a trip the final, to, to the final game and maybe even a national championship last season. Uh, so pe- people are sick of bricking layups. They're sick of three and out. They're sick of striking out. Um, I, I get it. I, I totally get it because that's been a problem you know, in all sports across the board. And, you know, you take one step forward, two steps back uh, with that kind of stuff. Now, you know, I I think Frank's team, the men's basketball team, by the way, they play Florida State on Sunday, big game in Rock Hill. I think that's a noon tip. Um, It's shooting a little better, you know, when Eric Stevenson is on, James Reese are on, uh, is on, you know, those guys – play a little better, but this isn't about basketball. Let's go back, go back to football. And then number two, and I think this, and I'm not, I mean, Shane Beamer and Will Muschamp, they're really different people and, and, and coaches, this is more like coaches in general. Okay. I think that it's real easy, you know, and I, and I think most coaches make decisions this way when they interview or they, you know, they, they, they kind of look at it and go, well, what's the plan? And, you know, if you're the offensive coordinator and, and they get pitched a plan, and, and I think with uh, with both Will Muschamp initially and with uh, Shane Beamer initially, uh, and it's kind of ironic they both got pitched a plan by two guys that have been in the NFL uh, for one year, and they come back with all these great ideas that aren't adaptable to college football. Uh, and then that ends up deviating from the type of offense you talked about. Um you know, when, when you got hired, uh, Muschamp was like, we're going to make everybody defend the whole field, blah, blah, blah. You know, Brian McClendon's offense, as, as flawed as it was and as tough as it was when when there were no adjustments made, freshman quarterback, whatever, um, that was more along the lines of what Muschamp had in mind, you know, or what he talked about. You know, Kurt Roper was not. And, uh, you know, same thing with Marcus Satterfield. I, I think that, you know, Beamer – came in talking about Joe Brady and Lincoln Riley and, you know, Beamer talked about, you know, you need an offense that's adaptable to your personnel. Um, And none of that really happened. You know, none of it really happened this year's kind of a hodgepodge collection of whatever. 
Uh, and so, you know, I, I, I get it because uh, I think fans are not only sick of watching bad offense, uh, they're sick of – or not sick of, but, uh, you know, it, sometimes it's trust. And, you know, you, you get told one thing and then another happens. And it would be one thing, too, ladies and gentlemen, if, uh, if it were a situation where, you know, Carolina just didn't have any players um, – you know, and, and, and the, the team tried to play to its strengths this year. Maybe they, you know, run the ball a whole lot. And if the run game isn't going, it's, you know, three yards in a cloud of dust, whatever, uh, against better teams. But, you know, South Carolina couldn't run the ball against East Carolina, right, until the end. Uh, you know, so that's not players. You know, you, you had a pretty deep backfield this year. Um, you know, you, you did have three different quarterbacks. Doty was injured all that, but, you know, that situation probably could have been handled uh, more intelligently as well uh, in terms of, okay, who gives us the best chance to win um, and to uh, go out there and, and, and adapt the offense uh, accordingly. And it wasn't going to be perfect. You know, I don't, I don't know if they'd be, you know, maybe they'd be seven and five, they'd have won one of those games, uh, Missouri maybe, you know, one of the close ones, uh, but uh, Kentucky – maybe, maybe eight and four, uh, which would have been good. And it's disappointing that it didn't get to that point. Uh, but still, I mean, you know, you, you look at it and, you know, I, I don't know that it makes that big a difference, but the problem is, is that it's clearly uh, a mess, <laughs> you know? I, and, and so I say that to say this, I'm not, I'm not, I think the six and six record is good. I thought, you know, I said that all offseason. I didn't make a prediction wins and losses wise. I said there's enough there to get to a bowl, and there is. Now, how they got there was ugly in a lot of ways. Um, but uh, And they took advantage of some teams uh, having some lapses, Florida and Auburn. But, uh, you know, you look at it, and, you know, you're talking about a year in the SEC where Kentucky and Arkansas want to combine 17 and 7. Ole Miss is going to a uh, – what, what is it, Sugar Bowl? Uh, Mississippi State was pretty good. I mean, you know, a lot of teams that don't necessarily recruit uh, in the top five uh, were pretty good. And then Auburn, LSU, Florida, all were down. Um, and so, so, so that that kind of gives you, you know, reality is uh, there's a lot of seasons in this league where there's opportunity. Not, not everybody that recruits in the top ten ends up being that good. Uh, that kind of thing. And, and, and so that, that's what's disappointing. You know, you, the Kentucky and Missouri things were extremely disappointing. Uh, I said all offseason they need to reverse Kentucky, Missouri, Tennessee. They didn't win any of them. Tennessee blew them out. Um, and that was bad. But, you know, I, I, I think Gamecock fans need to uh, – a small portion of you need, need to kind of look at it what it is, you know, Stop hating. I mean, you know, you read stuff about the head coach and, you know, Beamer's over his head. There was an idiotic post. I mean, people people that continue to bring up that Beamer was a tight ends and special teams coach uh, as if that was some sort of negative. That's the dumbest take. Well, you know, one of the dumbest takes. There's a lot of dumb takes out there. Uh, don't do that. Don't do that. The head coach is responsible for winning and losing. Um, and he's also responsible for his staff. So, uh, you know, I'm not saying that, Jump up and down, uh, be happy uh, about the offense this year and, and and all that. Just you know, 
give the current offensive coordinator another chance. No, I, I, I would never say that. I, I think there definitely needs to be a new plan, a new direction. But I also know this. I know that there's a signing period coming up, uh, and there is a school of thought. Shane Beamer's not the only coach that thinks this way. There are a lot of successful coaches that do. Don't upset the apple cart right now. Get everybody signed, uh, and then kind of look at it. You know, evaluate them. Um, I don't know if there's some sort of hope internally that uh, they light North Carolina up in the bowl game and and keep on going with the the, the offense they have. I, I think it'd be a mistake. Uh, I don't think you should judge anything on bowl games. Uh, you know, I, I think that, you know, you, you look back, Eli Drinkwitz would have been calling plays for Will Muschamp in 2018 uh, had the Gamecocks not rallied and beaten Michigan in the bowl. Now, tell me – you know, McClendon in 2018 had a, had a pretty good year. They had some offensive explosions. But they also have some really good players. You know, Edwards, Samuel, Shai Smith, <laughs> those guys, Jake Bentley, Rico Dowdle, Tyson Williams, um, NFL guys. So, uh, you know, you, you look back on it and, uh, you know, maybe Drinkwitz would have been a better choice. Maybe he'd have been gone within a year. I don't know. Um, so I don't think anything should be based on a bowl game. Uh, I think that this bowl game for South Carolina as a program is important, I think, because of the opponent. Uh, I think if it were Virginia Tech or Virginia or Wake Forest or whoever, you just kind of say it is what it is. But uh, I, I think it's important because it's North Carolina, and they are a problem. Uh, and I'll get back to the Antonio Williams thing. Look, if North Carolina wasn't owning the state of Virginia right now, they would not have gotten Andre Green. Clemson probably would have. And then Clemson doesn't ever offer Antonio Williams. So there's kind of a trickle-down effect there with, with regards to the Tar Heels. And that's, a, quite frankly, that's a, that's a team the Gamecocks need to go uh, beat if they can. I don't know if they can. Now, Sam Howell's playing. He's really good. They run the ball well. He runs the ball well. Uh, you know, Carolina's defense is going to have to have the best game, uh, I think, of the season to go beat them. You don't know who's going to continue to opt out. Uh, so it's a, it's a mystery, but, um, as to how they'll perform, but I do think it's important. Uh, do, do I think that not making a change at offensive coordinator is because of the bowl? Uh, no, I think you could have gotten around it. Uh, you know, I think you could have made a change right after Clemson. I was ready to make a change right after Tennessee, to be honest. Um, and maybe they don't, when Florida or Auburn without I me, mean, I, I tend to kind of think they would, but uh, you know, I, I get it. I, I get the the demand for change and um, I'm right there with you now for the next six, seven days uh, while the early signing period's going on, I wouldn't do anything. I wouldn't make a move. I mean, you, you kind of look, you know, with the players that they're trying to get uh, you know, you go and upset the apple cart that's going to cause some some issues. That's going to cause some issues. Um, so Antonio Williams, you know, uh, going to Clemson, um, South Carolina moving forward definitely needs to uh, get some receivers. I mean, that's a big, big, big deal uh, for this program right now because they just don't have a lot. Josh Fan's probably coming back. That's good. But he needs help. He needs help. And whether, you know, there are things right now they can do with E.J. Jenkins and Jaheim Bell that they didn't uh, just kind of maximize those guys in the passing game. 
Uh, but I also, you know, you, you need some more guys. I mean, you need some more outside guys uh, that can go up and get it and, and that kind of thing. And it looks like the transfer portal is going to be uh, the ticket, and all, along with Landon Sampson out of Texas, who is a polished guy, runs routes well. I mean, his floor is high enough to step in and play uh, this next season. Uh, so you do have him. But, you know, look, we always talk about one guy coming in, and, you know, injuries happen. And I'm not, I'm not saying I'm ho- hopefully nobody gets injured, but, you know, then what are you going to do if he gets hurt or Josh Van gets hurt? You know, so – and they know this. They know they've got to go get guys, and they know they've got to get, uh, you know, uh, you know, players. So, uh, bad news again. News and notes uh, coming in again. Uh, and this is according to Ben Portnoy from the state. We were kind of made aware of this the other day. Uh, didn't say it because I wanted to confirm it because it's kind of secondhand, but uh, good job uh, with the mainstream media digging stuff up. Javante McClendon, uh, who everybody was talking about, got a four-star on Rivals. Um, and uh, Rivals moved him up. I guess they weren't aware of this. Uh, arrested on some felony charges, won't be signing with the Gamecocks. Um, and we, we sort of knew that a while back, but uh, – you know, will they get another DB uh, in there to kind of take the place? Will they hit the portal for a DB? I don't know who's going to take that spot, but uh, kid out of Lakeland, Florida, um, good player, uh, but made some mistakes. You can't, you can't get arrested on felony charges and expect to keep your scholarship. So that's uh, that's going to happen there. Tory and Gray was by the school and informed them of this. Uh, I guess last week. So uh, scratch Javante McClendon off uh, the commit list. And it's fine. I know those of you that are out there going, my gosh, he just got moved to four stars. And now we're losing him, blah, blah, blah. Yeah, well, you know what? Anthony Rose is better. Kid out of Florida, a better prospect. Um, nobody gave him four stars for whatever reason, but uh, I wouldn't worry about it. You know, that, that and that was one organization – that moved Javante up to four stars. So I hate it for the kid Uh, lost obviously for Carolina, but I I think the secondary is going to be fine as far as, you know, talent acquisition and and developing players further. And, you know, Clayton white touring great did a great job with that, but that's some, some other bad news. Okay. So we got two bad news recruiting tidbits. It's recruiting time. So I got that out of the way. Um, so let's go f- some good news. Uh, South Carolina, uh, is the crystal ball favorite now. And we've had, uh, around big spur, we've had crystal ball picks in for this guy for a while. Uh, Javante McClendon. I'm sorry. Did I say Javante McClendon? I'm sorry. It's it like, I was reading off a teleprompter. Uh, Jay Sean Barham, who is a, four-star top whatever guy um St. Francis Academy in Baltimore number 108 overall I guess uh some people have dropped him down uh but still elite prospect out of St. Francis uh looks like the Gamecocks are going to get him he commits tomorrow uh will probably have some analysis on that on Big Spur uh, this is a guy that's 6'3", 230, 4'5", 8", shuttle. 
My understanding with him is the Gamecocks want to grow him into an edge. I also think he could be a Mike linebacker. Um, got to work on his coverage skills, but uh, he's raw, uh, but a heck of a prospect. And um, I'll say this. I have some connections at St. Francis up there in Baltimore. They have players every single year. I mean, every single year. Uh, and so I it's always good because a lot of those kids do follow each other. And, and the, those coaches uh, at that school, you know, they like that when kids – go with each other and you know because they it's kind of an inner city place a lot of these kids come from uh you know underprivileged backgrounds if you will um baltimore and uh you know they, they wanted to be a success in life and so they, they they they're very careful about i guess where they recommend players to go you know because they want them to be safe taken care of all that uh and to get on with it south carolina mike peterson shane beamer uh, those guys have done a great job kind of establishing that uh, with Jay Sean, with his family, with the coaches at St. Francis. And so that's why it's looking good now. Now, <laughs> not over yet, uh, as we all know. I mean, you know, never say never in recruiting, especially with a prospect like this as it gets down to crunch time. Um, but really, really nice piece of recruiting by Mike Peterson and uh, Shane Beamer and the staff to get up there. Uh, and like I said, you, you can kind of build a nice pipeline. And they have players up there, too, that are sort of under the radar. Sometimes they'll you know, send those guys to Boston College. They end up in the NFL. <laughs> uh, so it's not just the big-time guys up there that you can get. They're, they're very talented high school football team. And, and, look, I've always thought it made sense for the Gamecocks to – to go north-south, um, there's a ton of students at the University of South Carolina from Northern Virginia, from Maryland, D.C., Baltimore, that area. Uh, and so, look, you know, that's a, that's a good place to go recruiting, uh, I think, if you are uh, South Carolina. So, Jay Sean Barham, we'll see sort of what happens um, with that, but uh, things are looking good and you know, I, I think, like I said, it could it could set a precedent for Carolina at St. Francis, et cetera, et cetera, uh, which is a good place, like I said, uh, to go recruiting. And, and right now, uh, you know, honestly, uh, Carolina needs some pipelines like that because, you know, North Carolina and Virginia, which is a place that I think eventually Shane Beamer and his staff are going to be able to go uh, get a lot of players from. Uh, right now, UNC, again, the opponent in the bowl, uh, they're sort of owning that with Mac Brown and Dre Bly. Uh, you know, you still have to deal with Clemson in-state when they decide to recruit in-state. Um, so, you know, you got to go get players from somewhere, and you, you can't just go uh, to Florida and Georgia and take that the, the tier you kind of have access to and occasionally win some other battles. You, you have to sort of uh, – I don't know, man. They have to sort of go find guys. Uh, and whether that's transfer portal, working more north-south, it's probably going to be a blend uh, of, of, of the all of the above. Uh, and so there's that. Um, again, Gamecock Basketball Sunday. Uh, and that will conclude our news and notes segment here on the Inside the Gamecocks podcast. Next segment is brought to you by, it's the analysis segment, uh, Cindy Searfoss of Caldwell Banker Kane. 864-414-5271. We know the real estate market's kind of cattywampus right now. Uh, Cindy has been in the upstate over 35 years, 
married to a diehard, diehard Gamecock fan. Uh, and she can help you with all of your real estate needs right there in downtown Spartanburg, my hometown, Daniel Morgan Avenue, 864-414-5271. Cindy Searfoss of Caldwell Banker Kane. Please tell her, if you call her up, buying, selling, just looking, uh, tell her JC sent you because that's important to me uh, and important uh, for you to do that to all of our sponsors, Heritage Digital, iHelp Consulting, uh, all that good stuff. Um, all right, so some analysis here, uh, you know, getting back to the offense. Um, and a, a lot of questions on the, the message board today about pro-style offenses. And I've said this uh, from the beginning, um, that I don't think you can run a pro-style offense at South Carolina. And, and what I meant by that was this, um, the, the kind of what Georgia does on offense, Right. Uh, Georgia, I've said this before, they recruit tailback as well as anybody in the country. They always got a pretty good offensive line. Their quarterbacks are kind of usually game manager types uh, that can make good reads. They, they, they are up and down at receiver at times, but, man, I've watched them play this year. They've got enough, and then they really throw it to the tight end quite a bit, uh, you know, and not just with Bowers this year, but but through the years, Georgia sets a really good tight end. So, uh, you know, and they've been doing it for however many years, you know, the, the same kind of deal. That's the DNA of that program. Uh, when South Carolina has attempted to do that, it hasn't worked that well. Um, and Mike Bobo's system last year, obviously, statistically, it wasn't that good. Um, you know, I think had Bobo come back this year with the second year in the system for the line and the backs – you know, Carolina be able to run it, you know, and, and that, that, that was the, the worst thing about this offense this season is they couldn't run the dang ball. And, and you definitely, you can't run a pro style offense at South Carolina, but you definitely can't run it if you can't run the ball, you know, that, that's, that's the whole key. Um, and it, you know, it's, it's, it's a struggle. Um, I think if Bobo returned, the Gamecocks probably would be eight and four because I think they would have had enough points uh, and, and not made as many mistakes against Missouri and Kentucky and, and would have won the game. Uh, considering the offensive line was clearly confused most of the year, that wouldn't have happened uh, had Bobo stayed. Now, that said, is Mike Bobo's system, uh, as much as it has evolved, would that be the ideal offense? Just if you, if you were just asking me what you need to run at Carolina, no. I don't, I don't think that at all. I, I think you can – you can kind of look around, uh, kind of in the the general, you know, the Carolinas, I guess, uh, and look and see. Okay, what do most teams run in the Carolinas, and, and what has been successful? That's a lot of spread. You know, Clemson's is kind of a spread deal. Uh, North Carolina with Longo obviously is a spread. Now there's some pro style elements to all these things because sort of the modern college offenses have. Uh, you know, made their way to the NFL conceptually. Uh, you know, look at Coastal Carolina and Jamie Chadwell's offense. App State uh, with their outside zone running game and, and kind of the zone. Re- I mean, they've been the same for a while. They're successful. Um, and you're probably like, well, JC, you know, App State and Coastal, they, they don't recruit the same kind of players Carolina does. That's true. But it, it's not so much about, you know, the, the elite talent level kind of, you know, narrative there. It's about, um, 
it's about kind of what guys are used to doing within your footprint. Uh, and, you know, South Carolina, uh, as much as I think, you know, they, they, they do like to go recruit Georgia. Some of the best players in the history of the program have been from Georgia and they all, they always will, you know, you're, you're kind of a Carolina's team, you know, so what works at some of these other colleges and it's just about all spread. And, uh, you know, cause, cause that's kind of what a lot of the high schools run, you know, and, and guys are used to it and you can always, you can usually find a quarterback and, and whatnot. So, so, you know, and th- there's those reasons, uh, that, that I don't think you can run a, a historically pro style offense at South Carolina. Now that being said, like I mentioned earlier, we're, we're in an era where, you know, the Kansas city chiefs have taken air raid concepts and, morphed it with Patrick Mahomes and Andy Reid and those guys into one of the best offenses uh, in pro football. Um, We're kind of living in that time. And uh, so there are some concepts and some carryover uh, from the pro game uh, to the the college game. So the term pro style offense is a broad term now. It used to be I formation, lots of checks, a lot of under center, that kind of thing. And it could be a lot, it's a lot different now. Um, and so it kind of just depends on what it is and the most important part of it. And you can read, you can Google pro style offense and it just says pro style offenses are more complex than college offenses. And they are because up there you have a long time to work on it. Uh, you have to kind of have some nuance, uh, cause everybody's good and everybody's playing for a paycheck and you can play one of the worst teams in the league, uh, and they can beat you. On any given Sunday, I guess that's the that movie. It's a good movie, Al Pacino. Um, but you, that can happen. Um, and so you have to kind of outsmart the other guy or try to. In college, it's much more about exploiting matchups, putting your players in position to make plays, uh, out-scheming people in terms of attacking the weakness of their defense, that kind of thing. And, and most effect, there's not an effective college offense out there, folks, that uh, – is uh, too complicated to learn and run. And uh, that was the problem at South Carolina this year. You know, the guys just uh, – all the mistakes, especially at the beginning of the year, just couldn't run it. And uh, you also have to have a, an offensive coordinator that can put together an effective game plan based on the opponent. And I don't know that that happened a whole lot this season. Uh, Missouri and Clemson uh, both come to mind. You know, I mean, what where was – you know, the attack, you know, Missouri did something that if, if that worked, like I said many, many times, if that worked, why, why, why wouldn't everybody crash their ends and, blit and all, you know, it, it doesn't because there's usually a counter to it. And, you know, when South Carolina finally tried a, a swing pass, I think, like I said, Zaquandre White uh, ended up running to St. Louis. I mean, why wasn't, where was that? You know, instead of this under center stuff. And then Clemson, uh, you know, what I was told was basically it was the same thing, same thing they did against Auburn um, in the run game. And, you, you know, Brent Venables, and uh, he's now at Oklahoma as the head coach, obviously. Uh, I think it's a good thing because I think that guy down to down calling a defense is gifted. Uh, you know, if you ever watch him – uh, he's sitting there reading things, tendency-wise, you know, and it's played right into their hands. There was nothing – I mean, that they put all that on film against Auburn, 
really the, the simple same play over and over. And then you think it's going to work against Clemson? I don't know. And Auburn's defense is, you know, Auburn's defense did not have a great night against the Gamecocks. Uh, but Auburn's defense, as we saw against Bama, and you know we've seen most of the year, they're, they're pretty salty at times when they they need to be. And there's a whole lot of difference between Derek Mason and what he's doing on defense and what Brent Venables is doing. Although it's uh, structurally, it's probably a lot of the same, but they call it a lot different. And, and there was just no there was no chess match in the Clemson game at all. And I'm not saying Clemson's not much better and has better players and better talent. Lord knows the defense should have stopped the run better than they did. That was that was not good. But um, look, man, um, you know, the, the, the offense had no answer for anything. Uh, and then the answer ended up being, let's put Zeb Nolan in there. <laughs> I just, you know, a sitting duck, basically. Um, so I, I don't know what the what the deal was there. I think against Clemson, uh, the teams that are successful against them are able to throw it vertically. Maybe the Gamecocks couldn't, but I don't know that they tried a whole lot. Maybe it was under pressure. I don't know. Um, but I, I, you know, to me, based on what I've been told and and I've seen with my own eyes, that that, that it's just a lot of, you know, uh, I don't know what would be the right word. Curious game plans. Uh, you also have to, you know, scale it back to the point. And, and, you know, you can talk about scaling back your playbook and, and not carrying 25%, whatever. That's not it. You have to scale back the assignments and and, and, and the play-to-play uh, responsibilities uh, or you're going you're gonna to confuse your guys. You can't put in a bunch of new stuff week to week and, and say we're going to do this and try to reinvent the wheel um, across the board, although you do – you can't just do the same thing. Uh, you got to find that balance. You know, that that's the thing. You have to know how to use your personnel. In other words, uh, is this guy uh, that's this size and, and can do this, what's he best at? And put him in and, and let him go. Um, you know, and to me, uh, you know, Jaheim Bell and E.J. Jenkins come to mind. What, what's good? What do they do well? Well, well Jaheim Bell's your one of your best offensive players. Uh, he can run the ball from scrimmage. He can catch the ball, uh, you know. He can't. He can block at times, but that's not really why you signed him. Um, so, you know, the way they used him this year was a little bit crazy. I thought, um, you know, there, there's no reason. Even in the game they won against Florida, and he scored a touchdown in that game. There's no reason why he he's only seven snaps in a game. Oh, I, you know, that's, that's, uh, that's tough. And, and then not a lot of opportunities, uh, things like that. And then EJ Jenkins, uh, even before he started playing a whole lot again, uh, I was told, and I believe this is not an outside receiver, even though he's tall. Uh, he's a guy like that you got to use like a flex, kind of like Jared Cook when Spurrier was here. Uh, kind of an inside guy that you could, you know, flex out and get matchups with and stuff. I do credit EJ for blocking pretty well uh, out there on the perimeter, um, you know, especially in the Florida and Auburn games. But, but you know, you, you got to learn how to do that. You got to learn if, uh, if Jason Brown gives you the best chance to win, and, and he did, you know, um, and he should start the bowl game. Uh, you know, I think, uh, you know, Zeb Nolan is a great story, and uh, goodness gracious, you know, the Gamecocks owe him a debt of gratitude. Um, 
for leading the team back against ECU and leading the team back against Vandy. Those would have been embarrassing losses. Uh, but, you know, you, you put him up against any team with any sort of pass rush, and he's a sitting duck. And that's just the bottom line. Um, you know, and I love Zeb Nolan, but you, you got to have some some a little bit of escapability there. And Jason Brown has always brought that to the table because you got to understand, hey, look, uh, you've confused the you-know-what out of your own line. They're not blocking right now. You know, you need somebody that can kind of, you know, spin out and make plays, which is what Brown does. And, uh, you know, I know against Clemson it didn't look good. But they're, Clemson's elite uh, with their defensive front. They're elite, you know. And, and when you got that and you got Venables dialing it up, you know, they know that he's going to spit out. So you, you need to do some different things. So, uh, and look, I don't really know what the – if there was a secret – uh, sauce to to that. I, I know that when Clemson's defense has not been good, it's been because uh, a team has uh, has hit them vertically. LSU, Ohio State, uh, some other teams, and then uh, I think teams with uh, true uh, zone read uh, run games. South Carolina does not have that, and that's not what they do. But like Louisville, um, that kind of stuff sometimes works against the Tigers, but. Uh, you know, uh, it's hard. <laughs> uh, it's hard. So, um, you know, so there's that. You know, so there's all these things that I think go into being a good OC and having a good offense. And it's not just, well, they had to go through three quarterbacks this year. Uh, when in reality, you know, you kind of looked at it down the stretch. I mean, they, they probably should have lived and died with, with Jason Brown. Um because, yeah, bad game against Clemson. They did lose Missouri, but he kept them in that game. And then he beat Auburn and Florida. Uh, you know, and then I don't know what kind of mistakes he was making in practice and maybe things that had gotten worse. I don't know, but it's not like Nolan or Doty lit it up. Um, and so I, I don't know. You know, I, I, that's just one of those things where, uh, you know, there's a lot of questions there. You know, but, but the, the, the travesty of it all – uh, is that South Carolina was not able to run the football this season. Uh, very far at all. And uh, that was supposed to be uh, one thing this offense could do. And if you can't figure that out with the backs they have and with the guys returning on the offensive line with experience, you know, you're not doing a very good job. And you throw in the fact that you want to put complexities and confusion. Um, and then I'm convinced that, you know, the, the attitude on that end was, hey, it's, it's, it's like a year zero. And, you know, we're going to have three years to it. Nobody has three years to install an offense in college football, uh, especially when, you know, you've got the transfer portal out there. You gotta, you're going to have more transition with your roster now in college than you ever have before. So you've always got new players, and it just simply cannot take that long, guys. That's the bottom line. And, uh, you know, if you're out there getting your butt whipped, uh, you know, uh, because you don't have good players, you don't have good enough players, I'll take that because that's going to get solved through recruiting. Uh, But to hamstring yourself further uh, with a scheme that nobody understands and bad personnel use and, you know, questionable game plans and questionable play calling in game, you know, why Why pile all that on? You're, you're behind the eight ball enough? Uh, and so, so that's kind of my thing, you know. And 
Uh, and I said that because Tony Morrell had a, uh, article today and i've heard the same thing kind of through the grapevine that the johnson brothers lsu quarterback max johnson or former lsu quarterback max johnson and his brother the nation's number one tight end jake johnson they play for zeb nolan's dad at oconee county uh it was mentioned that they sort of like the pro style deal the under center and stuff like that and that's fine uh that doesn't mean marcus satterfield needs to come back um because there are a lot of coaches that incorporate a lot of that stuff that you look and you see their teams, um, and it's not like the Gamecocks have dumb players and everybody else is smart. Uh, there's a teaching issue there, uh, and they're able to do it. Um, so, so I don't, I don't know that that matters. I think that right now, uh, you you probably don't make a move because you don't want to, you don't want there to be like a mystery, uh, you know. And but if if a move is made down the road, all you got to do is say, hey, we're, we're going to get. We're going to do this, but we're going to do it better, and everything's still good. Um, so I wouldn't freak out about that. Uh, you know, don't freak out about, oh, Satterfield's going to be retained just because – or not going to – you know, going to be back next year. I, I don't want to say retained or not retained because uh, coaches leave schools all the time uh, and go to schools all the time for different reasons. Um, but uh, – you know, that, that doesn't mean the offense is going to be status quo next season. I, and I believe uh, barring a, a complete change in approach, philosophy, game planning, whatever you want to call it, you know, if, if there's not a change, they're in trouble. I mean, you know, now, can a complete 180 happen? Sure. Sure. No question. Uh, is it likely? No. And so that's the deal there uh, about the pro style versus whatever. So, you know, we'll see sort of what happens, but um, that's the deal there. I did not get to some of these questions um, on the iHelp Consulting mailbag. I want to tell you about iHelp Consulting real quick and tell you that uh, Daniel – at High Help Consulting is a uh, a good dude that will help you. A good dude. That's I, I'm I'm totally blowing this commercial, guys. And by the way, I got a new microphone finally. Uh, big big setup with a sound shield and nice headphones and all that good stuff. And I'm I'm kind of trying to navigate it because I don't want to come in too hot. If it's too hot, I'll go back and listen, and uh, we'll see that. So I'm I'm a little off today. Uh, but I've told you how Daniel Owens with iHelp can help you save your uh, business money on credit card processing, insurance, telecom, whatever, without sacrificing quality. But you, you may be saying, hey, I don't know how this works. Uh, and look, I am anti-consultant in a lot of times. I'm a business owner myself. Uh, sometimes through the years, I've dealt with consultants and they're not worth the money you spend. Uh, but Daniel is, and I'll tell you why. Uh, here's how it works. You just call or text 843-372-5713, set up a quick phone call, face-to-face meeting. He's going to look at your whole operation, let you know if you're paying junk fees, rates are too high, whatever. And then he's like, you may be wondering how iHelp gets paid. Uh, and you may think they'll save me three grand, but they're going to charge me four. That's not true. Uh, you, you only pay them a percentage of your first year savings. So in other words, uh, he saved one company 50 grand. He gets a percentage of that. 
Uh, but then the next year you still save the 50 grand, but you don't have to, you don't have to pay. I mean, it's, it's, it's perpetual. Uh, so Daniel Owens, I help consulting 843-372-5713. Uh, give him a shot. If you're a business owner, please tell him that you heard about it here on the inside the game Cox podcast. And, uh, you know, we'll see kind of what's, uh, what's going on here. There's two ways to get in. Uh, to the mailbag. And uh, the first one is to tweet to at the Big Spur pod. And again, I missed some of these. If you sent a question and I didn't get to it, or you tweeted a question, I didn't get to it. Uh, send it to me. I'll get to it Monday. Uh, resend and say, Hey man, you missed it because we had a, uh, we had a podcast roll in the other day. And, and there's a reason I finally had to get a new mic. So that's uh that's the deal. Uh okay, so A Riddle. Hi JC, I'd like to get your take on where this leaves us in the recruiting class uh for missing out on Antonio Williams. Um so here's the thing. Antonio is a is a kick in the gut. Uh in and I and I, I'm one of these two. Like South Carolina a few years back. Well, you know, you guys know Travon Walker that plays for Georgia. Well, Muschamp had an in on him, and you know the Gamecocks at one point did lead, and 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 they did everything they could. Okay, and uh, he ended up going to Georgia, staying in state, and, and that happens, you know. And he's a five star, so everybody freaks out. Oh, we're not ever going to do anything unless we get to five stars. And, uh, you know, people gripe about uh, the team ranking last year, the eighty eightieth in the country. Come to find out, it was higher than that. Uh, 24-7 Sports is now including transfers in their team rankings. Uh, Gamecocks had the number 12 transfer class in the country, uh, but they didn't have it last year, so everybody's griping about how are we going to do this and how are we going to do that, blah, 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 blah. Uh, and you're never going to hear me say that. You're never going to hear me bash a kid because of his star ratings before he steps on campus. I may say, well, he's got a, a bit of development to do, Um Whatever, but you know, I could normally see, with the exception of like, okay, when Whammy took Kite Dallas uh, a few years back, a linebacker out of Georgia, uh, I completely did not understand that. Okay, uh, <laughs> uh, Kite was about five nine, two hundred, not very fast. Uh, you know, I was like, wow, what's uh, what's going on here? And come to find out, it was just a miscommunication, and so. Uh, and he ultimately did not sign. So in situations like that, you know, you're going to hear me say, hey, I, I've got a lot of questions about this kid uh, and bringing it up. But normally I'll see the good. And, uh, and normally if you really look at recruiting guys, they, most guys, if they maximize their talent, because football's a talent maximization game, uh, turn out good. Uh, and not everybody in your 25-man class is – you know, going to be a starter. There's going to be some backups, special teams players, that kind of thing. Um, and I think if you look around the country, uh, you'll see pretty clearly that not everybody can recruit. Like not everybody, nobody recruit. Not, I'm not going to say that. No, nobody, nobody recruits like Alabama. Uh, Alabama's had the number one class in the country, like 12 out of 13 recruiting cycles, um, and, and they don't not only take four and five star guys, they take the right ones. The ones that want to go in there and work, they do a great job of development. Guys are willing to wait their turn at Bama for the most part. Uh, you don't see uh, a lot of guys leaving that program 
just because it it's all geared toward, you know, enriching your life and, uh, you know, making you and the best you can possibly be. Uh, and they set the standard that way, you know, no, nothing against other programs, but, but they're the only ones that could do it. I mean, Georgia is immensely talented on defense. I mean, like I said, uh, I've said many times and, and I watched the game Saturday and, uh, you know, credit Alabama with going up and down the field. Uh, the Georgia kind of neutralized that Georgia D. Uh, but you look at it, it's an immensely talented group, um, both, you know, when they came into Georgia and now, but they still have a, a walk-on starting at safety or playing significant minutes at safety. Uh, Georgia recruits as well as anybody. Uh, outside of Bama, they have a walk-on starting at quarterback. They have a nose tackle who's an All-American, who's a freak, uh, who was a three-star guy out of Charlotte, uh, who a lot of folks out there, if you're the Gamecocks, would you complain if they'd have taken it. You know, maybe Georgia fans did too, or they kind of dismissed him. I don't know. But, you know, even Georgia has some holes that, hey, well, two walk-ons are starting. Uh, I think you saw with Clemson's injuries this year, they got much more healthy down the stretch. But, you know, it, they were sort of pedestrian on offense for a long time. Um, and the defense uh, had some injury issues, and they've got a lot of good future NFL guys. Uh, Clemson's very talented, don't get me wrong. But uh, I, I think what you have to keep in mind is not everybody's going to recruit like Bama. So you're never going to hear me say, um, in, in, you know, I'm not going to be critical about star ratings or anything like that, you know, just because I, I can sort of see, you know, how different guys uh, would pan out. Some are underrated. Uh, some are rated appropriately, but you know you, you also see uh, the upside uh, in some guys. So that, that that's kind of my take on that. I, I just don't believe in the. I mean, there's some people saying this is the worst, one of the worst recruiting classes in a long time, and I'm like, I have no idea what in the hell you're talking about. You know, go go through it player by player. You know, and and they don't. But um, as far as this goes, now. Keep in mind, this is uh, Shane Beamer's first full recruiting cycle, this staff. Keep in mind, you know, they didn't really get to start recruiting until June, so not a lot of time, uh, although they prioritized Antonio Williams from the start. They recruited him as hard as anybody, uh, and they lost him. So that's fine. Uh, that happens. Um, it happens when in-state rivals rolling like that. And like I said, it speaks for themselves at receiver uh, and all that good stuff. Jalen Sneed uh, being Notre Dame bound should not surprise anyone considering the situation at Hilton Head. And then, you know, Clemson's got uh, Jaden Lucas and uh, Colin Sadler. They're both Greenville County kids. Uh, both in-state programs backed off Jaleel Skinner. Uh, and now he's out. I mean, he was at Greer. He was at, he's at IMG now. And he's going to Bama, but uh, which is I'd watch that one. Uh, we'll see. We'll see what happens there. Uh, I think that's going to put Bama's development skills uh, to the uh, to the test. So you know, so that's that. So so where I will get critical on recruiting um, is if this continues to happen. You. you, you at South Carolina, uh, yes, there's all kinds of different recruiting plans. It's great to go up and down the East Coast. I think that's brilliant. I like that they're emphasizing recruiting Florida now a lot. 
because uh, you know, it seems like Florida kids, uh, especially South Florida kids, when you get them, they, they tend to pan out uh, with for the Gamecocks. Um, I think that's great, but you, you absolutely cannot afford, uh, number one, to continue to lose uh, the known prospects that, that are ranked highly from your own state. And uh, you also – uh, which I think is more egregious, and, and this happened at receiver with the last staff. You can't let guys leave the state at a position that you need uh, players at, and, and then they go and star elsewhere. You know, there's about three receivers out there that Carolina definitely should have taken and, and recruited hard uh, in state, and they didn't. And that was the last staff too. Um, so, so right now, does Antonio Williams kill the program because he's going to Clemson? No. Uh, if this kind of thing continues to happen and Carolina's getting boxed out, and especially, especially if uh, you start guys start leaving the state uh, that Carolina wants, and uh, you know that happened last cycle with Ingram Dawkins from Gaffney going to Georgia and Justice Boone going to Florida, um, you know those guys. It was a transition year. You knew Muschamp was kind of on his way out. Uh, and Florida and Georgia took advantage of it. That's fine, but that can't happen, you know. And the good news is, is that there's a precedent uh, for it not to. You know, South Carolina really, since Spurrier got there, has done a real, a good job, uh, even through the Muschamp era, of keeping guys at home uh, that they wanted. You know, now if you don't want them and they go elsewhere and play well, different story. But uh, you know, so so that's the concern there. Uh, and, and I'm getting there. Um, uh, getting there uh, to answer your question. Uh, I think Carolina's got to hit the portal pretty hard. There's always a lot of receivers in the portal. Uh, there's a lot of players at receiver. I think it's it's not a position that's overly difficult to find. There's sleepers. Um, you know, you look at the NFL draft and the receivers that get drafted. Yes, Alabama's guys do, but then you you, know, you may get a kid from Kent State or Minnesota. Um, a lot of players that have been good receivers here have not necessarily been uh, four- and five-star guys, starting with Debo Samuel, Farrow Cooper, uh, you know, Bruce Ellington, basketball guy. Ace Sanders was a three-star. Kenny McKinley was a three-star. Late Kenny McKinley, Tory Gurley. I mean, you can find guys at this position uh, and get them to South Carolina. You know, maybe a lot of times without having to battle the Alabamas and Georgias and Clemsons of the world. Um, so, so I think there's players out there to go find. Uh, I also think the transfer portal is going to be stock full of guys uh, that can kind of play, and for whatever reason they haven't. And so they need to go get two or three, uh, I think. Uh, just because, you know, like I mentioned earlier, you know, you can say, well, you got Van coming back, Bell's back, you use, Jen- use Jenkins and Bell properly. You know, what can that do for you? Well, that's fine. What if those one of those guys get hurt? Um, and, you know, Kyle Horton is a hell of a prospect, you know, hell of an athlete. Uh, but coming from eight-man football, I mean, you can't really – you can't really expect him to come in and start next year. Landon Sampson, yeah, you can't. So, uh, I, you know, I, I think they need more. And, that, and they will. Uh, you know, Justin Stepp is an outstanding receivers coach and recruiter. Um I feel worse for him than anybody uh, because of how it went down and, and, and then kind of how uh, hard he worked and not to, not to get the payoff there. 
but he, he he's not going to stop. I mean, yes, the world doesn't end. You know, you still got to go get players. Uh, and so that's the deal there. Uh, Ken says, just lost Williams to Clemson. Any good insider recruiting news? Uh, yeah, I just talked about Jay Sean Borum from St. Francis. Uh, and we'll see, you know, he's supposed to commit tomorrow. That'd be a good boost. That'd be a good boost because that's a national level recruit from a place that is sort of a talent pipeline that Carolina doesn't normally sign guys out of. And if they can establish that relationship up there and, you know, get guys from up there, multiple players, I think that's a good thing. You're always looking for places to go. Uh, and so that's that. All right. So again, if I missed a question from you, as we're going to transition on the I Help Consulting mailbag uh, to the inbox, that's inside the Gamecocks at gmail.com. But if I miss your question, because what I do is I go through and I record, uh, and I got through, I recorded the whole thing, and it sounded like the teacher on Charlie Brown. So uh, the mic, which is relatively new, um, I think I bought, I think I tried to get out on the cheap with it, and, and that was, uh, that was my mistake on that. Uh, but the mic, you know, uh, went dead, wah, 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 and so I couldn't do it. But what I do, I delete, uh, just to keep the inbox clean, I delete uh, the emails after I read them, uh, and I'll retweet the tweet. So uh, if there's something I missed, uh, re- retweet it to me, or, or preferably just send it to the uh, inside the game at gmail.com, and I'll read that next week for you, and I apologize. Harrison. Hey, JC, this is Harrison from Fort Campbell, Kentucky, Tennessee. Thanks for your service. I'm assuming you're in the military if you live in Fort Campbell. Uh, I know that well, just north of Nashville, where I used to live. Still loving the show, as well as the JC and Morgan podcast. Definitely say they're my two favorite podcasts to listen to. Thank you very much. And thanks for listening to uh, JC and Morgan as well. We got Michael Haney there with us now. It's been a really awesome, awesome run uh, of episodes on J.C. and Morgan. Uh, he says, anyway, with all the talk of quarterbacks and Carolina's need for one of the transfer portal, I keep hearing about fans clamoring for Spencer Rattler. Uh, Spencer Rattler, by the way, had a virtual visit with Carolina last week. He's like, am I just out of my mind thinking Rattler would be a bad move? I remember watching the QB1 under the light show on Netflix and seeing him in high school. It was very evident watching him interact with others. He's a very arrogant and cocky and selfish kind of guy. I don't know if he's changed, but I hear rumblings and he's got, he still has an attitude problem. Am I crazy for thinking this is absolutely not the type of guy Carolina needs on the team? Just seems that it's a 180 degree difference in the type of culture Beamer is building and something we want more in the locker room. Your thoughts? Well, you know, first and foremost, uh, look, and I know people watch it, but QB1 under the lights, that's a problem. That's a problem because not everybody's great, you know, uh, you know that goes from high school to college. Just like look at the quarterbacks drafted highly in the NFL. Not everybody translates, you know. So I think what you do is you hype guys and get a false sense of security uh, for those players that have an awful lot of work to do. Now, Spencer Rattler uh, had a really good year in 2020 at Oklahoma. He had a lot more weapons at receiver than he did this year. This year, got time to read the defense, and he couldn't do it. Just couldn't do it. Just couldn't do it. And got benched for Caleb Williams. So so from a football standpoint, um, there's no way, if things remain status quo, 
with the current offensive coordinator that Spencer Rattler is going to be able to, I, I, I don't even think he could win the job. And that has nothing to do with his talent, you know, uh, with, with the current deal. Now, you move to more of a spread attack, more of a college-style attack, I think, yeah, I think he could do it. As far as the uh, attitude goes, now, look, I, 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 I've i never been impressed with kind of the outward uh, Spencer Rattler, if you will. But, you know, it's not something I'm going to, like, if he did end up at South Carolina, and I, and I don't think he will. I think, you know, Nebraska has been a team that's been mentioned and some others. Uh, maybe he ends up, I don't know. But if he did, I'm not going to sit there and, and like, completely dismiss it. Because there have been quarterbacks in a lot of programs that, you know, they're, they're a little different. And sometimes a guy like that's good good to have. Uh, because he he's arrogant, but he's also confident and cocky, and and that's the leader of the team. And you know he gets guys to play with swagger and all that. Uh, didn't see that at Oklahoma this year. Maybe saw a little bit last year though. So uh, we'll see. We'll see. I'm not going to completely bash the guy. Uh, I mean, he's a kid um, and all that. And, and I would think and hope. And, and, and actually, I know one thing Shane Beamer is not going to do. Uh, is sacrifice the culture uh, for for one player, you know, no matter how good that guy is. And with Shane having known him at Oklahoma, uh, I would venture to say that, you know, he, he's probably, if they take him, comfortable with the guy, uh, comfortable with the guy. So, you know, don't – I would say, Harrison, like, look, I, I'm with you, not impressed with what I saw on QB1. Not impressed with a lot of things, you know, that, that you kind of see outwardly. Uh, but know that, like, Shane uh, has spent more time with the kid than, than, than we have, you know, and he's spent it on a personal level. So if they're willing to take him, you know, then I think Shane, uh, then it's okay with him based on uh, his very personal uh, experience, you know, with the guy at Oklahoma. Um, now, you want to ask me uh, who, if it were up to J.C. Sherbert and there was a choice, do you take Max Johnson and then get his brother Jake Johnson at tight end too, uh, or do you take Spencer Rattler? I, I'm taking Max Johnson because I think Max Johnson's better suited. Uh, I don't know. I think Max Johnson's better, uh, you know, uh, at the end of the day. People may not agree with me there, and they may talk about, oh, he's five stars, Rattler was five stars, but I – uh, you wait. I, I think Max Johnson's pretty good. LSU people will complain and and all that, but uh, that that that's part of being a quarterback in the SEC. Uh, plus, you get if you if you got him and got his brother, the number one tight end in the country, uh, who's from Georgia and ranked higher than Oscar Delp. I think you do it, um, and I think that's what's best for the program. Um, among the options we're talking about now, now there could be more options that pop up. The the portal. Uh, and one thing I, I mentioned on the board the other day, uh, the transfer portal doesn't close after the early signing period. There's no rush uh, with a lot of the portal guys uh, for next Wednesday like there is for, you know, high school players. So, you know, don't think that if Wednesday and Thursday and Friday of next week come and go and, you know, you still don't have uh, a portal quarterback, or you still don't have it, don't, don't worry about it because the, the portal doesn't shut down. It keeps on rolling. 
uh, and you can get players at any time out of it. Uh, and I think they can sign. They can sign at any time too. You know, they, you can sign on Christmas if you want. Uh, if you're a portal guy, so uh, don't don't freak out if if this picture is still muddy uh, next week and they're signing all these other guys. And, and you know, it's one of those things we have to get used to in recruiting now. Uh, you know, rather than you know, like in my mind, and I've done this for a, a long time, and and I have to adjust uh, as well. Um, you know, you, you sit there and go, "Oh my goodness, uh, it, it's coming up." You know, Gamecast have to get three transfer portal receivers right now and a quarterback and all this, and that's just not the case. The portal uh, remains open past early signing. By the way, the NCAA is talking about doing away with early signing and moving it all back to January again. And all I'll say about that is this, uh, the NCAA, like the coaches moved it. And I, and I think that, you know, whatever the recommendation ended up being uh, was kind of short-sighted because uh, a lot of coaches were pushing for early signing, but, you know, because of, uh, you know, why my goodness, we're worried about got, you know, teams flipping our guys, all this, you know, well now, you know, December doesn't make much sense because it, it totally conflicts with bowl practice, bowl preparation, playoff preparation, uh, whatever you want to call it. Um, and you wait and see. You wait and see, folks, next week. Everybody, ever, ever, all of you out there that are like, you know, talking about how Carolina isn't serious about football because Beamer didn't pull the trigger on an assistant and other teams are doing this, firing people, and, and, and Carolina's like the last one to make a move. You wait and see next week how many assistants are on the move after signing day. And so is that fair to the kids, you know, uh, because you have a coaching carousel that spends a whole lot in December? No. Uh, if you're going to do an early signing period, you, what you need to do is you, you need to have it in August, uh, and you, you need to have an easy out for a waiver if there is a coaching change. And I, by coaching change, I mean coordinator or head coach. Uh, you get a waiver and you get out of your letter of intent. And otherwise, uh, if you want to leave because the running backs coach that recruited you in there anymore or whatever, uh, you have to use your free year. Um, Cause I think that's fair. I, I think that it, it's not fair uh, to ask a kid that's a dual threat quarterback or whatever. If he signs with a school that has rich, like, like if he signed with Louisiana Monroe, right. And rich Rodriguez uh, is the OC. Well, you know, you sign with that school in August, and then Rich Rod takes the Jacksonville State head coaching job, um, and then Terry Bowden turns around and brings in a guy that's not what Rich Rod does with the zone read, quarterback run game, all that, and it doesn't really fit. You have the you need to have the right to go, you know, and and to say, hey, uh, you know, I'm out, you know, and and it needs to be a quick waiver process. Or if you just want to go back to the first uh, Wednesday in February. Uh, more power to you. That helps my business because December is already a busy month. Uh, it makes it an ultra busy month with early signing. In uh, January's have been kind of boring lately. I don't think it'll be this year, but January's been a little boring. So heck, that that's pushing it back again and going back the first Wednesday in February to me is fine. Uh, but they're talking about that and all that good stuff. I wanted to add that in because I read it the other day. Should have probably been in the news and notes segment, but. Uh, Harrison, it um, it really uh, – your email sort of reminded me of that. So thank you so much for that email. All right, Chris emails in. 
JC, if you had to choose between Max Johnson and Spencer Rattler, who would you choose? Max Johnson. Uh, I just think that, you know, what I like about Max is this, you know, son of a uh, NFL guy, uh, you know, even taking his brother, who's a hell of a tight end out of it. I, I, I like what I've seen out of him. You know, uh, LSU sort of gone back and forth with Max, uh, Max and then Miles Brennan. And they, then, you know, what do we do? You know, uh, I like him 10 times better than Miles Brennan. Uh, I, I like him because he can throw. He is a lefty. That's a little different, but he can throw the ball. Uh, he's intelligent and I, I, he's also got wheels. You know, Max is not a statue back there. So uh, I like him a little better. And it, it, it's just because, you know, when you're at Oklahoma during a pandemic year and they've got all these guys at receiver and they all a bunch of them were elite and and nobody's really you're in the Big 12 anyway nobody's really playing defense you can just bombs away away you go uh, but then when it came down time to hey we don't have all these guys at receiver so you're going to have to scheme it up a little bit and it's Lincoln Riley's offense Lincoln Riley's one of the most quarterback friendly coaches in the country I mean you saw what Caleb Williams did in it. Uh, as a true freshman, and you've seen what all these transfers have done in it with one year to prep. I mean, Lincoln Riley's offense is uh, – and, and it, like I was talking about earlier, like Shane Beamer mentioning Lincoln Riley a lot. Uh, yeah, Carolina didn't get that. They didn't get that offense at all. Far from it. Uh, but Lincoln Riley's college offense with some, you know, elements of the pros that they're doing now, like at Arizona and all that, uh, easy to learn, all that. So if you can't read a defense there – um, you know, and, and really your big year was with a bunch of great receivers in a year where they did not play defense. Um, that would concern me at South Carolina because South Carolina is not going to have, uh, even if they hit the portal, they're not going to have a bunch of all Americans, uh, at receiver. You know, they have, and so you got to scheme them open. Um, and this is with Satterfield, without Satterfield, whatever. I, I don't think there's any chance he'd start. Uh, trying to run the complex crap that uh, the game guys do. Hopefully that changes. Um, and and so I do think you, 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 there's there's a, a a piece of it to where you know the the inability to read the defense is concerning. Now, you know if you got Rattler and you know, revamped everything, and you, you're you're probably going to have a pretty good backfield coming back and. Put a lot of quarterback runs and, and easy stuff. Yeah, I, I could see it. I could see it happening. And you know, I don't, I don't think anybody's going to uh, be upset if Spencer Rattler is, is comes in and it's going to be the starting quarterback at South Carolina. But there are certain avenues there that uh, that if they're taken, make me really, really question it with Rattler. Uh, whereas with Johnson, I don't really have a lot of questions. I mean, twenty-seven touchdowns, six picks. Uh, at LSU, was he perfect? No. Was LSU perfect this year? No. Uh, someone explained to me the other day, and uh, that's in coaching, that's not at South Carolina or not, you know, is in the ACC, that LSU are the worst culture in college football. You know, uh, and if you look at the attrition on their roster and guys just up and quitting or whatever, uh, you'll see that Max Johnson was not part of that. I think it's one of the reasons he's leaving uh, because I think there's questions as to if Brian Kelly can fix that. Um, I think he will because it's LSU, but uh, we'll see. Uh, but th- those are the reasons I would take Max um, over Spencer Spencer, uh, if it came to that. Thanks, Chris. Hey, JC. I usually tweet, but this would have been too much. He spelled JC like uh, JC Horn. 
It's a J and a C for me, man. Uh, you and Keith are always great together. And I listen to JB and Goldwater every day. Thank you so much. Uh, I love what you said about recruiting being sales. You also were talking about validated feelings by firing a coach. So I assume what you're trying to tell people is that Coach Beamer is telling guys, hey, uh, if we had insert receiver's name, this play would have worked because we need help at this spot. We could have uh, Tom Brady at quarterback, but receiver can't get separation. It doesn't matter. Same theory for other positions, but at the same time could be working on staff behind the scenes. Patience is a virtue. Thanks for all you do. I think that's exactly what's happened. Uh, Justin's for Pickens. Um, so we had a Fort Campbell and a Pickens. Uh, it's exactly what's happened. Uh, and I can sit there and try to explain that to people. They don't want to hear it. Because uh, then, then, you know, the, the, the folks that, you know, the, you can tell people that all you want. And that's absolutely true. I mean, that's the truth uh, as to what's happening. Um, and they don't want to hear it. Well, you know, my goodness, who would want to come here and play for this guy? Or, or uh, don't the recruits deserve the truth? Um, let me tell you something, Scooter. <laughs> and this is not directed at you. Uh, it's directed to all the scooters out there. Um, when did we start being overly concerned about uh, not not necessarily the truth and honesty in recruiting, but uh, being concerned about the sales pitch? Okay. Uh, when when did we start worrying about? Oh, well, you know, you shouldn't recruit somebody and then things change because that's not ever going to be realistic. Uh, you, you want to go sign some, you know, Paul Johnson, Georgia Tech level cl- classes and, you know, beat out the SOCON, you'll you'll be fine. But, uh, you know, it, it is a sales pitch and it is a battle. And, you know, you work hard to get guys in the boat. And uh, then if things change, you work hard to keep them in the boat and you explain, hey, Coach X had a great opportunity and he wanted to go take advantage of it. But, you know, our plans have not changed for you. Um, you know, we're going to go out and get the best offensive coordinator we can and, uh, and make sure you fit in it. So that's, that, that's the pitch. Now, uh, Justin, you and I know that it, it, the, the struggles on offense aren't about uh, just the talent level because the talent level, uh, this offense should have been mediocre at worst, average at best. All right, I'll put a ceiling on it. This offense wasn't going to go up and down the field against everybody. What this offense was supposed to be able to do, though, is run the football effectively, especially against teams where they're not all that good at stopping the run. You know, I don't know if they're going to line up and run it all over Clemson or whoever, uh, and then hopefully get enough out of the passing game. Well, that never happened. That never happened uh, until the Florida game. I think you've seen – you know, Carolina was able to run it pretty well against Auburn and Florida, and lo and behold, they won. <laughs> uh, against other teams, they couldn't run it. They couldn't run it all year. Uh, finally got to run it against Tennessee, and, you know, you all saw what happened inside the three-yard line. And uh, You, you got to score and counter a tempo team like that, counter punch, and – uh, looked like they were counter punching, and they, they they completely whiffed and got their jaw broken. So uh, that's the deal there. But Justin, you're absolutely right. This is very, uh, very true, very very true. And um, but you you can tell people that, and and look, they don't want to listen. 
folks on the website that want to listen. I'm sure there are people out there on the podcast. And I explained it earlier that it's simply because uh, I think in all men's sports, people are tired of not being able to score points. You know, the team that scores the most points or runs wins the game. (laughs) So uh, there you go. Uh, and, And it gets frustrating. And it gets frustrating, especially when it's inconsistent and all that. And especially when there's really, you know, it could be better had it not been for dot, 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 you know, that kind of thing. Um, But, yeah, that's absolutely the pitch right now. That's why, you know, people that want Shane Beamer to fire Marcus Satterfield today are crazy. And that's why if he did it today, it would not be a good move, in my opinion. You know, you either do it right after the season or the regular season ends and you get it out there and then you go recruit um, or, you know, you wait until things transpire. Uh, Should you wait all the way to the bowl game? I don't know. I mean, if you're already getting into bowl prep and uh, practice and all that, you know, you change play. I don't know. So I don't know. Um, But, uh, but right now you definitely don't want to make a change. You want to keep on keeping on. So, uh, thanks so much, Justin. And again, thanks for the kind words. Uh, Mark. Mark. He says, I work in upper management. One thing I learned quickly, my dad always preached this, is your team is only as good as its weakest employee. That's always stuck with me over the years. Yeah, and um, we're hiring an entry-level writer on the big spur. And I don't want to say he or she is going to be the weakest uh, but obviously, Hale and myself and Tony and, and Whittle are all uh, established, I guess. But uh, that's been something we've really uh, tried to do our due diligence with is, you know, you know, this is going to be the new guy or gal. And uh, we need to make sure that it's a strong hire, you know, that, that, that we're not sitting there uh, kind of winging it as we go. Um, you know, and, and, and that was a good thing about John Del Bianco when he worked for us, Ben Briner kind of filled in this year and, you know, those guys are strong, uh, and you're right. You're, you're definitely right there. And he goes on to say, Hey, it's possible. Is it possible that the Beamer, the Beamer evaluated the Satterfield Antonio Williams situation and decided it wasn't worth the risk to fire stat sat to get to Antonio Williams? No, I don't think that's the case. Uh Gamecock staff was a little blindsided by it. And I'll say this too. Uh, South Carolina struggles on offense. Could that have contributed to him going to Clemson? Absolutely. Uh, And I've seen some big, long, uh, I guess, people that say they're connected to the situation or whatever, and and I'm sure they are. Um, Some big, long posts on message boards here and there about it. But – it reads an awful lot like somebody that just wants to fire Marcus Satterfield rather than like the reality of the situation. Uh, I wish it were. I mean, I wish it was. I wish, you know, I wish that family had just said, hey, look, we can't go there when you guys have that offensive coordinator. Because I think they'd be an eye-opener. You know, hey, this offense sucks. We're not playing in it. That'd be an eye-opener, Right. But uh, I, that's not what happened. You know, I mean, I, I wish. I wish some of the stuff out there was 100% true. Was it a factor? Yes. Was it the factor? No. Uh, his decision was much more about Clemson 
and the program they have and their track record at receiver recently and the success they've had uh, more so than anything to do with South Carolina. And uh, it's just not true. I mean, and, and I know uh, it's very, very – and I wish it was. Uh, God, I mean, look, I've, I've thought there should have been a change at OC since the Tennessee game. I'm not coming off of it. Don't get me wrong. Uh, I wish that was the case, period. I wish they'd go on the record and say it. And if they do, great. Uh, then I've heard some things that maybe aren't uh, the, 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 the number one reason. You know, maybe, maybe it is. But I think it's much more about Clemson than it is about South Carolina. Uh, you know, uh, and again, did it play a factor? Uh, if the Gamecocks were averaging 500 yards a game and it looked like a lot of fun out there, uh, you know, maybe would he be different? I don't know, because then at that point, uh, you know, it's like, well, you know, you got a lot of great receivers because they would have had to have had that. And uh, I don't know when I'm going to play, you know, that kind of thing. So uh, there's more to it than Saturday. It's not a Satterfield Antonio Williams situation, but I, I understand uh, given – the very factual reasons that the offense sucked this year, uh, operationally or whatever, uh, I understand wanting to conflate the two. I understand, you know, anything, and it's going to be the anything negative that happens with offensive recruiting. Uh, people are just going to hang that around the head. And, and I'm just going to tell you this, uh, like the previous email said, uh, that's wrong. Okay. Cause that's not the pitch, right? Uh, there's different pitches, um, and, 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 and you don't, I mean, South Carolina's had some very low ranked offenses before. Okay. And they've ended up recruiting just fine because, Hey, we need you come that kind of thing. Uh, and Mark goes on and says, maybe they can find somebody in the portal to help soften the blow of losing him to Clemson. Still a big loss, but at least we have guys like Landon Sampson coming in. Yeah. They need more than Landon Sampson and then Horton. Uh, I'll just be honest with you. They need to go get receivers. Portal, if you find some – I mean, I'd be looking at South Florida guys maybe that are committed to FIU or FAU uh, that are, you know, speed merchants that maybe are a little underrated, undervalued, that kind of thing. Uh, I'd be looking at the, uh, all over the place. I mean, the, the Caleb Webb kid that was committed to East Carolina out of uh, Cobb County in Georgia, Carolina, Carolina kind of got on him first, but – you know, Tennessee does a really good job at Cobb County, Georgia, and they did not have the uh, disastrous year that many thought they would. Uh, and so they're pretty strong, and I think I think they got him. I think they got Caleb Webb. But, uh, you know, guys like that, and, and maybe there's some around there, you know, Shrine Bowl's coming up. Uh, I don't know how Antonio Williams did not make the Shrine Bowl. That's weird. Uh, but uh, so maybe an in-state guy. I don't know. I don't know what they need to do, but they need to do it. You know, and, and and I don't think I don't think there's any uh, question internally that Justin Stepp's going to cast a net. They're going to try their damnedest to get uh, the best receivers in there they possibly can, um, because that position is a mess. I mean, it, 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 there's just a lot of guys there uh, that were bad evaluations. There's some guys there that don't want to work. Uh, there's just you know a lot of issues. There's some guys there that. I don't think they use properly like Amari and Brown. Um, you know, I mean, Amari Brown, one of the fastest players on the team. Uh, basically, all he did at Georgia Tech as a freshman was run deep routes and 
catch the ball and score, man. Do you, do you raise your hand if you remember them throwing a deep pass to Amari and Brown. Uh, which, by the way, uh, if you can get it off and not get sacked, uh, that's a good way to to work against Clemson. Do you guys uh, remember the uh, 2018 Carolina-Clemson game? And uh, attacking them vertically is how, you know, teams end up doing well. And, you know, they can cover really well and they got great DBs, but speed is speed. So, so you know, that would have been a pretty good uh, – a pretty good idea, don't you think? Um, and maybe they had it dialed up and he got sacked or whatever, but Amari and Brown's game is not throwing him the ball behind the line of scrimmage and hoping that he makes people miss. He's not all that elusive. He's just fast. And nobody seemed to realize that this year, and that's unfortunate, but nobody seemed to realize a lot of things. Well, I don't want to say nobody. Uh, I'm going to say that certain people did not realize certain things, but that 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 receiving core has been an issue uh, and thank God for Josh Van, you know, and thank God for Xavier Leggett uh, stepping in there and catching that pass against Vandy. Uh, you know, DeCarry Joyner works his butt off and is a great player and a great Gamecock and a, and a leader and a player, you know, but my goodness, he's limited. He's limited. And, and then they, they didn't want to use Bell there and they didn't want to use Jenkins in the right place. I mean, it's – you know, that, that that whole situation has to be uh, straightened out. Uh, but, you know, I, I, I have still have confidence. I mean, you've got, like I said, the portal doesn't close. So, so you got a while, you know, before you have to worry about, um, oh, my God, they're not going to get anybody. And, and, and I don't think they just need to go get guys that, you know, are just sort of so-so. I mean, I, I think I'll use two examples. Uh, Velius Jones. Uh, that went to Tennessee, that was at Southern Cal, uh, didn't put up a big big numbers out there, but he's capable. That kind of guy, or like Jamison Williams, who was at Ohio State, he caught seven passes last year because he was just behind a bunch of studs. He goes to Alabama and has an All-American year. Uh, so if you're going to take somebody that hasn't produced a whole lot, it's got to be that kind of guy. Otherwise, you need guys that have produced. You know, It doesn't matter. Uh, you know, maybe they come from a lower level of football. But uh, they need to have had, you know, some experience uh, catching footballs uh, in a uh, collegiate game. Uh, you know, and then there's guys uh, around the country. If, if they're from South Carolina, maybe they hit the portal. I think you got to go after those guys, too. So, um, yeah, it's not over. Just because you lose Antonio Williams at Nova, it's a gut punch. As I said earlier, it's not something that needs to be like a habit. Like, this can't keep happening and everybody expects Shane Beamer to build South Carolina into a, you know, a, a, a team that or a program that could contend in the SEC East um, as it stands now. We don't know how it's going to look, but um, it, uh, you know, y- y- that's not going to happen without winning your share of in-state battles. Um, but the good news is, unlike previous years, where maybe you have to go and. Uh, sign a guy that you're unsure about and you're just praying, hoping and praying he works out, you can go to the transfer portal and, you know, get a guy that's played. Uh, and that's the beauty of the portal. The portal giveth, the portal taketh, taketh away. Uh, forever and ever, amen on that one. Okay, guys, uh, thanks again to iHelp Consulting for sponsoring the iHelp Consulting mailbag. Uh, thanks to Heritage Digital. Thanks to Cindy Searfoss of Coldwell Banker Kane, all of our sponsors 
And thank you for listening to the Inside the Game Cox podcast. Uh, again, if I skipped your mailbag question today, you'd send it earlier in the week, resend that puppy to me, and I'll be sure to get it on there. Like I said, I lost the whole show the other day. And I was so – it was a good show too, man. And I, I was rolling. I finished it. You know, you ever finish something, you're like, man, that was good. I'm not going to feel that way today because I've been mumbling around, uh, worried about this new mic and stuff, trying to position my head and things of that nature. But the game uh, – but, you know uh, – that last episode is a lost episode because of what happened. And uh, uh, those que- some of those questions were like big picture and good. So it, uh, I think Darian had a couple. Uh, anyway, if you guys could send those back to me and I'll get to them on Monday. Uh, happy weekend to all of you. Watch that Army-Navy game. It should be a skeptical. J.C. Sherbert signing off inside the Gamecocks podcast. <laughs>